0: It's Tuesday afternoon. It's March 24th. We are studying the book of 2 Peter. I've got my cup of ice. I got my race car glasses that are going to help me through this, and we are going to study 2 Peter. We looked at verse 1 last time. Let's look at verse number 2. So grab your Bibles, pull up your devices. Let's get to... I'm a little behind here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Simple verse, but filled with great meaning. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Think about that now. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, when you think categorically about the the words grace and peace, and you think about them salvifically into how we are saved, that we are saved by grace and that we have peace with God, just to quote a couple verses there, there's, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And you think about those things. Those are completed actions, right? We can't get any more saved than we are. We can't have any more peace with God than we have. We can't have any more grace to save us than has already been applied to us in Christ. So what does it mean that it says, may these things be multiplied to you? May they be in abundance? Well, a couple things. These two words are often used in ancient uh, epistolatory greetings. In other words, these letters that are written epistle, by the way, just so you know, uh, is it's really something biblically made famous in that it's uh, shorter than a book and longer than a letter. That's usually how we understand it. And so some people think an epistle is the wife of an apostle, and that is not the case. So an epistle is a short uh, letter, and in this uh, these short letters from this period, and certainly the New Testament, you often have these s- salutations, and grace and peace are very common. Matter of fact, in a Hebrew context, uh, they still say it today. You go to Israel with us, uh, they'll say shalom in Hebrew. Shalom is the uh, Hebrew word for peace, irene, in this passage in Greek. It's, uh, it's a common greeting, but these are not throwaway lines in the New Testament. Grace and peace are certainly have meaning, and they mean more than just our standing with God, although let's start there, okay? When he says grace and peace be multiplied to you, let's talk about the fact that grace and peace can be multiplied as more people are encountering that grace and peace. You talk about a church like ours or any church that is a gospel-preaching church, uh, if we want the grace of God, the saving grace of God to be multiplied uh, and the peace of God to be multiplied, if we're talking about peace with God— You've got to look at this word you and recognize that to be multiplied to you is a second person plural pronoun. So we're talking about y'all, as I often say. If we were in the South, that's how it would be translated. May grace and peace be multiplied to y'all. So may your church see more of grace and peace. If you think about it in terms of the salvific category, well, then we want more people to experience saving grace. We want more conversions. We want to see more people saved. And we want to see more peace. We want to see more peace with God. That the alienation that exists naturally between sinful people and a holy God would uh, be, be broken down. That the gospel of grace would bring peace to people in their standing with God. And that is certainly something that we want to see multiplied. But at the end of yesterday's uh, evening Bible study, I gave you a, a kind of a, a farewell by quoting... Uh, the last verse of this book, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, uh, the, the uh, Apostle Peter signs off by saying, May you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, I think the whole emphasis of this book that is dealing with guarding ourselves against false teachers, the hope of eternal life, uh, the kind of grace that we're talking about here goes beyond just the saving grace that we want to see multiplied in more people in our church. Uh, I certainly think it has to do with what it means toward us in a progressive sense. In other words, grace is not progressive when it comes to justification and salvation. But God's favor in the sense that he is increasingly pleased with us uh, that is something that does change, and that's a very important difference. And it's not nuanced; it's 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 there in the scripture very clearly. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he he talks about pleasing God uh, more and more. As you're already doing, you need to please Him more and more. Just like our love can increase, the way that God views our church can certainly change as our church becomes uh, more favored in a sense of sanctification. Think of it this way: uh, Revelation chapters two and three talk about these seven churches in modern-day Turkey, in Asia Minor, and they all had kind of a different report card. There were a few that were similar, but they all kind of were rated a little differently in terms of how Christ felt about those churches and what he thought of those churches and how he evaluated those churches. And, and what we want is we want his favor, his goodness, his, his approval in this sense, not of acceptance for our salvation, but his, uh, his smiling, if you will, his disposition Uh, toward us to be increased. We want to see that happen. We want the church to be better. We want it to be stronger. We want it to be, here's a way to put it, sounds biblical, uh, more well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, in a sense, justification, you can't be any more pleasing to God in terms of your sins being removed, but in terms of being an obedient child, you can be. The illustration I often give is if you were adopted into a family, legally adopted with the promise that you will no wise be cast out, you'll never be cast out, and nothing can separate you from that love. Uh, you can't grow in your acceptance in that relationship, but you can certainly grow in how well you please your parents. Uh, there is a reality to that that's very real, very true. Some people have popularized the sense in which every Christian gets an A. I, that was the last chapter of a very popular book that I felt was very damaging to uh, the church that uh, people were talking about is the greatest thing since sliced bread. This old book that sold so well was always... Uh, about and telling people continually and getting back to the theme of you can you can't please any god any more than you already please him and all i have to do is open up my bible and see that is just an unbiblical concept Uh, and in this case when i talk about grace i do think it has the sense of saving grace we want it multiplied among us uh, and we want god's favor his pleasing disposition toward us to increase and peace Peace certainly can't be improved upon in terms of our peace with God. If we die as a one-day-old Christian, a one-hour-old Christian, or, uh, you know, a a 50-year Christian, we can't grow in our acceptance in having peace with God. But we can grow in terms of a few aspects of peace. We can grow in the sense that more people are in harmonious relationships. Uh, I think about that passage there in Philippians where—and I think I jotted it down here— Chapter 2, verse 4, where it speaks of Iodia and Syntyche, and they need to agree in the Lord. They need to get along. Uh, I, talk about, uh, I talked about our very first one another yesterday morning. I talked about um, being at peace with one another. And, and that means if we got problems. We need to fix those problems so far as it depends on us if we can. And the reality of peace multiplying in the church here among the people of God is that we want to see a more unified church. We want to see more of a 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 church, that we're perfectly united in mind and thought, that we are together and on the same page. Can't always agree with every church. One church can't always agree with the next church. They're going to have doctrinal convictions. I get that. But within the church, we need to be on the same page. And we need to agree that unity needs to draw us together. We need to have peace among us. And that's important. May grace and peace be multiplied. May it abound to you. May you have more of it. Uh, Not only that, I guess there's one aspect, certainly in the midst of this crisis, that we can talk about having a a peace multiplied or abounding or having more of it. And that's the internal peace that uh, we talked about recently, uh, the peace that we ought to have in our hearts in the midst of of difficult times. I wrote this passage down, Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, when he said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, see to it that you're not alarmed. Don't be don't be all freaked out. Don't have uh that uh that inner disposition of being unsettled. You need to uh not be alarmed. You need to have the opposite of that is to be at peace, at Rene, to have a, a tranquility in my heart. We talked a lot about that at the outset of this crisis that we would be the kinds of people that, though the storms may rage around us, there may be a lot of uncertainty, we have peace in our hearts. And you can have more of that. We can have that multiply. And this letter is going to help us do that. We want more grace. We want it multiplied in saving ways around us, more people saved. We want peace. We want more people to be at peace with God. And then we want more peace in our hearts. We want more peace in our relationships. And we want more of a positive disposition of the Lord toward us. We want to be a more well-pleasing church. Uh, Super uh, duper important. Um, Knowledge of God. How do we get it? In this whole book, which is going to to feed this, it says, may you uh, have this multiplied to you. And here's the means by which it happens. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, there's a debate about this. If you go clicking around on your Bible software, there's a word for knowledge um, that the Greek word is gnosis. We get the word gnostics from that, and they believe they had a special knowledge, a deep knowledge, a kind of a secret society knowledge. Um, this is the word, and Peter likes this word, epigenosis. It's it's a compound word, and usually that's a, a, a compounding, kind of intensifying uh, preposition. It can be. Uh, a lot of linguists debate whether or not Peter had something else in mind other than just learning about God and learning about Jesus that that may be debated but I I do think there's something to this and in all my study in the past regarding this word and the usage of it in the New Testament I kind of think that Peter is as he's about to say in this next paragraph there needs to be a kind of compounding of your Christian life just to get ahead a little bit he says you need to supplement your faith with every effort uh, with virtue and knowledge and self control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love, those are things you pile on and you keep growing in that and I think that knowledge that compounding knowledge as I like to to talk about it and, and translate it the idea of, of of going deeper and having more understanding, learning more, knowing more God, pulling on another layer of understanding regarding the scripture and as i said that 's certainly how the book ends that we may grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So uh, regardless of the debate between the epigenosco and the gnosco, or gnosis as a noun, um, the bottom line is Christianity is all about learning. Think about it. I mean, one of the things we do to stay connected during this hiatus, this uh, time that we have sheltering in place, is teaching, right? Because that is what... The Christian life is all about. It's about growing in the grace and the knowledge of God, or in this case, the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. Um, our leaders are called teachers, right? Think about that. That's that's kind of a strange thing. They're not just executives. They're not just decision makers. Uh, they're known to be teachers. You can't even be a leader in the church unless you're apt to teach, Uh, People in the church, at least the most common word in the New Testament for it, people that are following Christ, they're called uh, mathetes. Mathetes is the Greek word for, uh, we translate it disciple, but we get the word math or mathematics from it. And, and that means they're, they're learning. The picture of mathematics, you're sitting there, you know, trying to learn how to do this. And you're memorizing formulas. That's the picture of, uh, of the Christian life, learning. So, you know, we do a lot of this around here. People pull out their notebooks and their notepads and they study. And I'm saying that is so much of what the Christian life is, helping us understand God better. Not sitting around, as I often say, on a rock. You know kind of contemplating our navel and thinking what God might be you know impressing us with it 's really about digging into god 's word. if we want to know god we 've got to have a compounding knowledge of God. And so the grace and peace that we want to see multiplied both horizontally and internally, and even as it relates to a vertical relationship with God in our sanctification, all of that's going to happen, and it's going to increase with the knowledge of God. Now, as James 1 says, it can't be a knowledge that is not applied. We don't want to just know things as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, that can just puff us up with pride. It's about uh, living it out. It's about serving. It's about applying. We've got to be doers of the word, because those who hear the word and don't do it. They deceive themselves. They think of themselves as growing when in fact they're not. So it's always about application and hopefully you've learned that in our church. And by the way, when I have guest speakers come to our church and they speak in our pulpit, the number one response I get in terms of compliment for our church, which it's usually all compliments, thankfully, uh, our guest speakers love you guys because you pull out your Bibles, you pull out your devices, you take notes, you're typing on your laptops, you got your iPads out. Those are the kinds of things that really help the leaders who are given to teaching the word of God and feeding the flock, a great sense that they're hitting the target, Um, that we have a church that loves to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So anyway, uh, in this passage, that's how we're going to see these things multiplied. Grace and peace, great words. And then it says we are having that compounded or multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. And some people always wonder, well, why why is the Spirit always left out? matter of fact, some people have made a ministry out of just saying, you know, it seems like the Spirit is forgotten in the churches. Well, it's a lot of passages like this that remind us that the Spirit's goal is to utilize the truth that he wrote in the Scriptures, right? He is the one who moves people along to record these things, to get us to know God and to honor Christ and to live in obedience to Christ. And we see a great example of it here. The Spirit of God doesn't need to be mentioned in this passage, of course, Clearly, the Bible teaches that, and Peter taught that. He talked a lot about that and the work of the Spirit. But here he's saying what we want is to grow in our knowledge of God, the Father, implied here, and Jesus, the Messiah, who is our Lord. I often illustrate it with the uh, the officers or the or the roles that are played in a, in a classroom. You've got the principal down the hall, let's just call that... For the sake of this illustration, that's God the Father. You've got the teacher in the classroom. That's uh, that's Jesus. That's the the one who we're supposed to obey. He's the Lord. And the Spirit, uh, without any disrespect, is the is the janitor, right? The facilities guy. And the facilities guy is just there trying to make sure that everything is working right, making sure that our attention is on the teacher. And when we put our attention on the teacher and do what the teacher asks us to do, we give our devotion to the teacher as good mathatos, as good students then down the hall, the principal is glorified. He's honored. He's happy. And that's the picture in the New Testament here that we grow in our knowledge of the one who is is the God of the universe, the Father who is in charge of all things, and his Son through whom he made the world, who is our, in this case, our Lord, the one in charge. And those are the ways in which we see these things multiply. Grace and peace. What we need now more than ever is more grace in our life, more peace in our life, and all the ways that we described, and that's going to be through learning. So I'm so glad you're here with us every afternoon, and on this Tuesday evening, I hope that you're studying the Bible with us, not just tonight and yesterday, but I hope you're studying with us every night of the week, Monday through Friday. We're going to come and bring you these studies, and may you and I both grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.